Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Stumptown Radio, Stumptown Footies, Timbers, and Thorns podcast. My name is Sam Spiller. I am the managing editor of Stumptown Footy, Timbers and Thorns blog uh, on Substack, stumptownfooty.substack.com. Um, and I am joined once again by Fook. Hello, Fook. Hey, how are you? And making her Stumptown radio debut, uh, Wilder Isom. Welcome to the pod, Wilder. Thank you. I'm super excited to, to be chatting a little bit. And yeah, hopefully I come up with fun things to say. We'll see. <laughs> That's what I say to myself before every time that we try to do this. <laughs> Hopefully we I sound just, good. Sam, I just read a comment on our Substack, and I forgot who it was from. I think it was from Salsa. Um, and they put down something about, oh, the next uh, guest on the pod should be Fook and Liam Ridgewell after like a 4 a.m. bender. And I'm just like, I don't know if I could do that. Like maybe like even in college, I could barely do that. So and, <laughs> Thank you for the comment. I was laughing so hard. I think my neighbor looked at me from outside and was like, giving me like the weird look. Like, are you okay, dude? And I and I was still laughing. So thank you for the like wonderful comments. They're hilarious. So just wanted to share that comment. I thought it was great. So I, I don't know who I'd be more nervous to have on the pod than you or Ridgewell. Like honestly, a bit of a toss-up. Um, but both would be fun. That would be fantastic. <laughs> um Wilder, we promise no no ragers or benders will be required on yes. on this pod. So <laughs> I mean, I did just graduate, so I have I have probably more experience. <laughs> you got plenty. Oh, of, that's true. That's honestly, true. you probably could. Out, yeah, outdo me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that'll be our next one. See, <laughs> no. That that's for our our end of the year celebration a celebration <clears throat> pod when we're celebrating silverware. Knock on wood. Knock on the nearest wooden object you can find, folks. Um. We're here tonight uh, to chat about the goings-on of the Timbers and Thorns, and we're going to start with some news that was announced today. We're recording this on a Tuesday night, and earlier today, it was announced by the Thorns that Olivia Moultrie, midfield sensation that she is, current um, U.S. Young Player of the Year, Olivia Moultrie, has signed a three-year extension with the Thorns to keep her in Rose City through 2026. Moultrie, who is just 18 years old, making me feel old, um, uh, had probably, you know, her best season so far with the Thorns in 2023, uh, recording uh, two goals and three assists, um, and is kind of seen as a rising star in the Thorns. Um, Wilder, what are your thoughts on the signing and what it can mean for the Thorns? Yeah, I think it's a super exciting one. I do have to say the video that they posted on social media where she comes up and said it's been a great three years and then paused. It did. It was a like a rude awakening this morning, and I was really stressed we were going to lose another great player. But it's great news to hear that she's back for another three years, and especially with yeah her being eighteen, that'll take her through twenty one. Um, I feel like we ha- like hopefully have her for some of the like best years of her, not just the best three, but like it's super exciting to see how well she's been doing already, and that potential to just keep like cultivating her talent and especially with consistent call-ups to the nat- like the U.S. national team it's a great asset for the midfield which with all the changes with Rocky leaving um, stuff like that there are some space spaces to kind of fill and I think she'll do a great job and she's super exciting to watch and yeah I think she'll be a solid asset for the the midfield for the next three maybe plus seasons 
always hope it's more, right? Always hope that we have like those players for a while. Like you mentioned, Wilder, um, Moultrie also received a call up to join the senior women's national team for the first ever CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup. We'll be joining also Sam Coffey and Sophia Smith. And it was just announced today due to an injury to Alana Cook. Becky Sauerbrunn, the legend, will also be there. So that's four, count them, four thorns uh, on the U.S. Women's National Team, which we love seeing. Uh, especially love seeing younger players like Olivia Moultrie kind of being part of the team. Um, yeah, Fook, what are your thoughts around Moultrie's kind of trajectory with the team with the Thorns, kind of what she could grow into both this season and, you know, beyond. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is, uh, so Wilder, I, I didn't know about this for, I think I told Sam weeks ago, um, just over, you know, just over like a, over Zoom or something. And it, it was exciting because look, if we look at what Karina LeBlanc has done in one off season, she's already extended Hina Sujita, she's extended Olivia Moultrie, and she's already given uh, Jesse Fleming a three-year contract. So everyone's through 2026. Sam Coffey is going to be next. She's going to have the, her timeline match up as well. Um, so that's really exciting. So pretty much locking up your top four midfielders for the next three years is very exciting news. And then you have your uh, future captain and present captain in Sam Coffey leading the team. Um, just if, you know, every player on this team literally talks about how Sam uh, resonates really well as a captain, you know, just how authentic is she is how nice she is how like the caring she is so it's kind of cool to see that but with just olivia in general so she made 12 starts last year i thought it should have been more um and one of the things that really hampered her was playing against uh playing behind veterans a lot so either crystal dunn sinclair and i don't think that's gonna be an issue heading into this season they're not gonna give her a three-year contract with big money unless she's you know gonna play quite a few minutes right so i expect her to start probably anywhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80% of games and then get spot rests, you know, on the side with Sinclair still available, obviously to start games. Um, so looking forward to that, but she already made a huge improvement last year. She's one of the only players who can play these like 5% passes. I call them where with these, uh, or she hits these goals where they just look like there's like no space in between. Like we've seen these galazos, man, you know? And so the fact that the one thing I'll bring up also is if you go to training, like you see Olivia always like one of the last people people to leave. This is very common for her to ask questions after training, during training, to make sure she's getting everything out of every single rep that she has. So just kind of the fact that she kind of already acts like a veteran at 18 years old is utterly insane to me. So just kind of having this window of the midfielders playing together, uh, hopefully, you know, looking at Weaver coming up, Sophia Smith coming up, getting those deals done uh, as well will be really important. But honestly, just her tra trajectory is a little scary to me because um, she's already on the U.S. Women's National Team at 18. Uh, and this is the first year she's going to be a full-time starter. So it's really exciting. If you were to buy stock, I would have told you to do it years ago. So it's great news for sure. It's just one of those things. But yeah, Sam, what did you think when you heard it officially? Well, first, I need to find the Thor stock market and then put all of my money on Sam Coffey because... Um, yeah, that midfield trajectory is incredible. Yeah, I think like uh, like both of you said, signing a young talent like Moultrie, who you know at when the Thorns signed her was the youngest signing in the league. There have since been younger signings, but she was kind of the trailblazer in the sense there. And being able to develop it, you know, it could grow to become one of the first real kind of like homegrown kind of success stories in the NWSL. Which you know, from both a like major kind of like timeline narrative standpoint is extremely valuable and extremely important. And 
from just a Thorne's perspective too, like, you know, it's, we, we see it in, not to compare everything to MLS, but in MLS, if you develop a homegrown player, you generally are saving money on budget charge, you're saving money on the cap space. NWSL cap numbers and money, I don't know how any of it works, but I can imagine that yeah. not having to pay a transfer fee probably helps. Um, so a player like Moultrie kind of being present and, you know, developing, if she continues on this development trajectory, could be a huge benefit for the Thorns that kind of help help raise that midfield level. You mentioned something, Fook, that I want to turn a question to to both of you. And Wilder, I'll start with you. Is Olivia Moultrie a starter? Does she start on the first game of the season in Kansas City? And does she consistently start throughout the season? I could see it both ways. But yeah, Wilder, I want to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, I think with the physicality that she brings, which is crazy for an 18-year-old, I always am like, surprised when I see her on the field and she can match physicality with some of the best players in the world and now she's kind of on the path to maybe become like a great midfielder for the U.S. senior national team um I feel like she really easily could find a starting spot um just because this league is so physical and and knowing that she can match up with other players um is super exciting it is also kind of nice that we have so many talented midfielders that it like does call that into question um i mean sam Co- like i feel like her and sam coffee could work really well together because they both have that passing um like they're so talented at, at finding those like passes through and and all that so i feel like if i had to put put money on it um i would probably put her as starting most of the games um with sinclair being such a big name and i know like i love her i'm excited that she's still playing we might see her starting in the beginning just because it's Christine Sinclair. Um, but I would also see her coming off the bench to replace Moultrie. So there's kind of a lot of different puzzle pieces that I don't envy Mike Norris and having to to decide those. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with with her starting. I'm excited to see see how she does. Yeah, no, I'm think- guessing. Yeah, you're the same from what you said earlier. Yeah, no, she she already started over half the games last year. Um and I'm expecting, like I said, anywhere from 70 to 80% of the game started. I, I do think they need to give Sinclair a few starts, especially on those short weeks. Um, you know, you got to use your depth to your advantage. And I think they have enough just to go around. Because think about it, we're, we haven't even talked about players like Olivia Waikatoa or Katie Katie Duong, like, uh, who could play minutes as rookies. So just kind of seeing that. think, And there's a chance they still add a six, you know, uh, on the bench just when Sam Coffey's out. So there's a lot of things that we're still looking at, obviously. Um, of course, there's a lot of players who can play multiple positions in the midfield, which is great. But just with Olivia, the way she is, especially with who she's played with, like, you know, you can't really start Sinclair and Olivia at the same time just because uh, Sinclair kind of plays more bay in kind of like a box uh, up top. Um, and then you have Fleming, who's going to be box to box. You have Sam Coffey, who's going to uh, be patrolling the defensive midfield, obviously, but also get up to attack. And then, of course, you have Hina Sujita as well, who's going to be a big part of kind of like a winger role slash, you know, like a hybrid 10 role slash eight role. So she kind of has like that versatility. But Olivia's going to be playing as an, I would assume as an eight. And, you know, I think her and Fleming will be dual eights. I don't think anybody's going to be a true 10. Um, so it's going to be pretty exciting to see that. But I think with the way Mike Norris likes to play, uh, Olivia uh, should be starting uh, uh, the first game and also the majority of the games this season. I think I'll agree with both of you. I think I also agree that Moultrie probably will be starting a lot this year. I think 
the what is the quote unquote best Thorns 11, I think still is kind of to be determined because like you mentioned, Fook, there are some new pieces, mainly Jesse Fleming, uh, to be integrated. And of course, the formation that Norris wants to settle on, there's a lot of kind of question marks with things. But Wilder, you mentioning Christine Sinclair, she returning for one last ride, you know, <laughs> all of Portland is with you that, yeah, are happy to see her come back for one more year. It's an interesting point where, you know, she'll be with the Thorns, but she's, you know, she's retired from international duty, meaning that when the Olympics roll around, she'll be in town for an international tournament, which I think is a new thing <laughs> for uh, for the Thorns to have Christine yeah. Sinclair around during in, in that international window. Um, Olympic talking about the Olympic roster, because, you know, Moultrie is with the women's national team now with the Gold Cup roster at the moment. What are y'all's thoughts? Wilder, I want to go to you first. What are your thoughts about out of those four thorns that are there now or going to be there now? Olivia Moultrie, Sam Coffee, Sam Coffey, Becky Sauerbrunn, and Sophia Smith. How many of those will be part of the Olympic roster? How many of those do you think will kind of be joining? I'm kind of putting y'all on the spot here. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Wilder, I'll, I'll go to you first for what you think. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, I feel like I mean, Sophia Smith is kind of pretty much a shoe in unless anything injury wise happens, which hopefully that is not the case. Um, also, with Becky Sauerbrunn kind of finally being back and with her missing the World Cup, I do feel like she should make the roster, um, especially yeah. it depends on if Alana Cook, it seems like it was a minor injury, so she should be back in the running. And we have Gurma, who's been phenomenal. So that kind of makes me wonder whether or not she'll get that spot. Um, I hope so. I feel like we're kind of nearing the end of, of maybe her national team, um, like tenor tenure. Um, so hopefully she'll make it, but I'm not sure. Uh, and then in terms of like Moultrie being so young, I feel like she also may or may not get a spot depending on obviously how she plays in the gold cup, how the, um, beginning of the NWSL kind of goes for her. Cause she really could find like find her footing and all of a sudden be a great asset for the midfield in the U S however, the midfield is so busy with the U S there's always so many players that get called up. Um, so I feel like that one also could go either way. Um, and then coffee, I would love her to be called up. I feel like it's been so back and forth for her like last season. And again, another midfield spot that is very, I mean, any spot on the national team is, is coveted, but I feel like, we have a lot of talent right now in the midfield. So I would say for sure Sophia Smith is going to be in there. Probably Becky Sauerbrunn. I mean, they all very easily could make it. I feel like that's the hardest part is they're so, so talented. But it would just depend on on kind of how the season goes, how the Gold Cup goes, and all the other players on other teams that are, are fighting for those same spots. Um, so not really a full answer, but I feel like most likely, yes, in a, in a perfect Thorns world, <laughs> they all make it to the Olympics. As the Thorns fan of me, yes, would love to see all of them go. At the same time, I'm like, if we could maybe leave like one or two for the yeah. so Portland can kind of survive like the midsummer kind yeah. of slump, you know, that they sometimes experience with the things. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that. But I agree with you, Wilder, that seeing all of them on the national stage, I think, is is, is always a cool thing. Fook, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I was just thinking there's a chance we could see like for a game or two, uh Sinclair, Wei Katoa, and Duong play all at once, start a game. And play the full 90 just because you know that's just what it looks like um but uh no i i see sophia smith uh starting uh, i think she's gonna be starting as the nine i don't think i think emma hayes 
it's a big upgrade at coach uh, over Vlatko. And, and here's the thing. Like, yeah, the concern is, can she develop into an international coach? I think she's already worked with super rosters at Chelsea before, so I don't see that being an issue. Um, the only issue I have, so Sophia Smith's going to start, obviously, and then Sam Coffey should start. But right now, it looks like she's behind Andy Sullivan and somehow Emily Sonnet at, as a six, um, which is a little baffling to me, just because if they're going to play two sixes in the back, then Sam Coffey needs to be one of them because she's the best passer in the six pool by far. It's not close. People can make a make an argument for Andy Sullivan's metrics as a defender, a defensive six way better than Sam Coffey. No, the metrics don't really support that as much as it did uh, two years ago. So last year she closed the gap significantly. So it's good to see that. So I see those two making it. I would love Becky to get a send off. I just don't see that happening because Dahl Kemper's back as well. And, you know, you, you got to think of players like Sam Staub as well, who probably deserves a cap at this point. Um, so there's just a big log jam. She should get a send off. I just don't think they're going to let her do it at the Olympics, unfortunately. Uh, then I think Olivia, since this roster is what, like 18 players, it's probably on the, there's just so many stacked eights and tens on this team. I just don't see it happening. Um, not yet, um, but in the next cycle, she'll be part of every roster, obviously, the World Cup team, things like that. So I see them. And then uh, obviously we'll have Jesse Fleming, um, you know, there as well. And then in the future, hopefully Reina Rez for Mexico. You know, so that'd be fun. We're seeing too, Reina Reyes is part of Mexico's roster yeah. for the uh, CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup mm-hmm. uh, as well. So Thorne's continuing to be strong in the international contingent. Yeah. Um, and now, you know, with Olivia Moultrie kind of on contract for extended, they have even more of potential internationals that could grow into future internationals as well. So it's it's exciting times for the Thorns as, you know, I think that's kind of been the theme <laughs> with the Thorns so far since the new ownership group came in kind of in the start is, is the vibes, the vibes are up. The vibes are positive with the Thorns right now. For the Timbers, the vibes are also pretty positive, except for a bit of disappointing news that was announced this week. Uh, Timbers midfielder slash winger slash maybe left wing back. Marvin Luria uh, has undergone knee surgery. So he joins Claudio Bravo on the shelf as being injured and unavailable. Uh, His timeline of return sets him as around, I think it's at four to five months or so mm. so that means that his return to the field is mid-june at the earliest um, which is disappointing this has a few implications for the timbers in the sense of obviously they lose winger depth not having marvin luria you know leaves just darren Espria and anthony it's essentially the only true wingers on the roster and it also loses an option for if the timbers want to play like a back three back five system Marvin Luria isn't able to play left wing back, which is unfortunate because that was always going to kind of be a less than ideal solution. Marvin Luria seemed like a not terrible less than ideal solution, but with him being now out injured, it leaves Portland, it leaves the the Timbers with even less options. Um, Fook, what implications or what impacts do you think Luria's injury could have on the Timbers for the first couple of months of the season. It's tough because here's the thing. I, I think Eric Miller did really good in spot starts last year. Uh, so solid defensively. He's not going to come forward as much, which is, I think in the system, it hurts the system a lot just because you want Claudio to go, come forward now because there's, you know, reinforcements in the back. Um, and then you have, obviously you have, uh, you know, 
who we need to talk about his extension today was announced as well Juan David Mosquera uh, so we'll talk about JDM in a second, but just having, so I think they're going to really be focusing the attack on the right side a little bit more, which is great. Like I think Juan, when he's n- doesn't have to defend as much, he is one of the most dangerous fullbacks in this league by far. Um, so I'm excited to see that, but I think Eric Miller pretty much the only guy who can fill in at this point. There's really no other, I don't think there's really much option at this point, unless they get an, I know there were t- some rumors about them signing some temporary left backs, uh, internationally uh so hopefully they can pull that off uh but with, with the season literally coming up next weekend I, I honestly can't believe it's next weekend at this point it's too soon yeah gotta get soon. ready for <laughs> eric miller to eric miller season so gotta see that but yeah i think it's gonna be fun though i think we'll see eric miller come forward a little bit more i think he's gonna play some keep possession a little bit more on that side not play as many crosses which i think is okay uh but jdm is gonna be big time these first few games i think um, pretty excited to see that, but yeah, Sam, I'm curious uh, what your thoughts are as well. Well, first that start of the season, it's not Eric Miller season. It's Eric Miller time. Oh, yeah. So there it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's Miller time. There's, yeah. there, there's your dad joke of the pot of the episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think I agree with you, Fook, that there, there's no really good options for the Timbers with left back. With Bravo out, you know, there was never going to be any really good options. It was always kind of finding what is like, what's going to cause the least amount of damage or meet the least secure. There was a time when I thought, okay, if you do a back three, it provides more cover. Marvin Luria can run. Like, you know, he's he's a very willing runner. Not the most technically gifted player, but can definitely run and, and put in a shift. Yeah. Thought that could work. Now, throws it all up into the air with something potentially more more difficult and the the concern that it raises because you know luria will come back claudio bravo will come back as well like those players will recover they will rejoin the field at some point in 2024 the the problem that it creates for the timbers is they're once again facing a challenging opening of the season um this has been a trend that we've seen with the timbers for goodness gracious long time that they start the season slow in the past, it hasn't really hurt them because then they turn it on at the end of the season, make the playoffs, sometimes make a run in the playoffs, you know, sometimes not. But recently, the past couple of seasons, they were not able to do that. And the slow starts could be one of the factors that kind of hurt them. Wilder, if you were in the position of the Timbers and you were kind of facing kind of the start of the season, what would you consider to be a success? Do you think, you know, kind of staying right at around that playoff line would be successful? Do you think that just, hey, we managed to pick up a couple of points? Like where where would you set kind of a level of expectations considering where the Timbers roster is at the moment? Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting way to look at it because coming from a little bit outside, I mean, I'm from Colorado. So I don't think that was the only team I had growing up. And they're also notoriously not the best. But I feel like knowing what you have going into it um, with having a few players injured and knowing that kind of sets you back before you even get started. I feel like you kind of just go into the season and be like, well, we'll do our Like, see, like, see what, what could happen. There's kind of no, or like there's less pressure, not in a way. I mean, it's still a major league team, but I would say kind of get the points where you can get them, do your best to, to just, hold your own um but like go into games that you know you should maybe win regardless of who you have on the field to like do your best and get those points there so maybe really just being like tactical of like 
here's where we can pick up points. Here's where we just kind of hope we do all right and and survive, which I know is is the timber mentality is is one that I am always impressed because it's I mean everyone still supports them, so it, you have the fan base behind you regardless of of where you are heading into the season. So I feel like it'd be kind of fun to just say, do your best, go for it, and know those players should hopefully be back midway through the season to kind of that would be a great boost when they are back and ready to kind of be like, oh great, now we have our full team. Let's really go for it. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see for sure. That, that's a really great kind of practical point you raised Wilder is that, you know, being smart about who they're going to play and where they can pick up points. You know, you mentioned games that they should win. I'm eyeballing those first two home games home against <laughs> you referenced the Colorado, Colorado Rapids, <laughs> new look, Colorado Rapids. You know, I think there, there should be an expectation that Portland is winning, that the Timbers are winning their home games. So and starting off the season with a couple of home wins could do a lot for the vibes so that when those games come along where, you know, they have to make a trip to, you know, another Western Conference team or an Eastern Conference team or long travel, it could kind of help mitigate kind of some of those. That's a, that's a good point as well. It does kind of leave the Timbers with some lineup headaches too to kind of have to kind of manage. And Fook, I know you have you have some ideas around it as well. One idea in particular that you want to throw out. Yeah, I, I think I saw this from Alex or Jeremy. I forgot who it was from. Um, but moving Kamal to left back is another option. Uh, putting Miguel back into center back is another option. Because if they want to play this five back, they do have enough center backs to make it work. Because I, I do think Miguel, he didn't play his best last season when he was called upon. But I think it's more of adjustment to the system and just different coaches, things like that. And one thing I've just from the vibe of training so far, I don't think Phil Neville's ever going to play it safe in a good way. So I could definitely see him going for the win more often than not. But I think at home, he'll expect it, which is a good thing. You know, you always want want a coach with that mindset. But yeah, I think Miller to left back, like any of those Millers at left back would make the system work. <laughs> One of um, the Millers. But I would prefer to start both Millers at the same time. I think if it's a short week in the first few months, then yeah, you can kind of have that other option as well. But at this point... I think moving Kamal away from you know left center back is just not a really good decision. Would I do it in a pinch if you know like let's say Eric Miller goes down? Hopefully, I, I don't want that to happen. But I'm just saying if that happens, yeah, you have no other choice. But at this point, it's it's downright scary. I'm just thinking about how many more like are they banning knees at Tim for the Timbers team? Like it's it's scary how because you know the Thorns have too many right right footed left backs, and the Timbers could use another one of those. Right now, you know, so yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Like, w- would you ever do the uh, the Miller swap at left back or no? I, th- I I consider it. Like, I think that you know, at some point, you're right. All options have to be on the table. <laughs> I think you have to throw stuff out there. Um, I think it's it's definitely like a down the list or down the list of priorities for what they would want to do. Just because, you know, come on, Miller's a center back. He's a good center back. He's you know he he has. Um, his passing is his biggest attribute. So he's really good at winning the ball and then immediately distributing it, which could be a good asset when used well and is the most effective when he has the entire of the field in front of him and isn't limited to maybe one side. So him being at left back, sure. I mean, I I think it was on one of the MLS podcasts, Bobby Warshaw, I think it was part of Extra Time. He basically argued that anybody can play left back if you train good enough. So sure. I mean, I think they could probably train somebody up, but I think you you want to maximize what the rest is on the squad, so I wouldn't prefer it, but it's 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 an option if 
you know, worst comes to worst and you can definitely go double, double Miller time. I don't know if that works, but. It sure does. Always works. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I think I think you bring up a lot of good points because I think at the end of the day, your three best center backs, I think they always always need to be on the pitch. No matter what, you have to put Zoop in there. You have to put Zach and you have to have Kamal in there. If you don't start all three of them, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, if you want to play four back, I still don't, I don't know how that would work unless you play Kamal at the left back um, and just keep going towards, you know, uh, JDM side. So a lot well, of you questions still need to be answered. <laughs> Before this, before next weekend, yeah. Next weekend again, way too soon. Uh, you, you mentioned having all center backs in the field. Uh, not all of the center backs were on the field at once last weekend when the Timbers played their second preseason game. Mm. Um, the Timbers are down in uh, Coachella, not the music festival, the soccer tournament, um, the Coachella Valley Invitational, and they played their first game of a three-game slate down in California against uh, New York City FC. Uh, this game was notable because it was the first Timbers preseason game since 2022, I believe, that fans were able to watch. There was a live stream available through New York City FC. So I know some fans tuned in. I know some folks were able to kind of watch. As far as the game itself, look, it was a preseason game. <laughs> the conditions didn't seem the greatest. It looked like it was pretty windy in California. So that made the ball do weird things, um, you know. Both teams squarely in preseason form, so it was hard to find that intensity, hard to find, you know, that same level that you see from regular season games, and that should be expected. Uh, the game ended in a 1-1 draw. The Timbers gave up a penalty via a handball in the 11th minute, which New York City converted. Then they uh, were able to fight back in the second half in the 58th minute. Felipe Mora scored a signature Felipe Mora header goal. I will say that was very nice to see. Um so game ended 1-1. It was a, about two-thirds of the game, most of the game. The starters played, I think, about 75 minutes. Then wholesale lines change with bringing in a lot of subs to kind of play the tail end of the game. So some good minutes in the legs for, for most of the starters. Uh, this game was notable because the in contrast to how Phil Neville lined up the Timbers with their first preseason game, which was in, you referenced that, 3-4-3, back three slash back five look. This, uh, this last weekend, it was more of a back four. And the back four was Zach McGraw and Kamal Miller as the center backs with Jaden Jones-Riley, uh, Timbers two player at right back, and Eric Miller, Miller time, at left back. That's just going to stick, isn't it? Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> at, at left back. And then in front of them, it was Diego Chara and Eric Williamson. Then the midfield line was Evander in the middle, and Anthony and Santiago Moreno on the wings with Felipe Mora leading the line. Um, that was notable because that is this is the longest time in a 4-2-3-1 look that the starting 11 has played. I think it's, you know, they've been transparent. Phil Neville has said that Zach McGraw said this when he joined us for our uh, podcast last week, that they've been training both. They've been practicing both. There's, you know, I, I don't think right now anybody would commit to this is the formation we're going to play. Um, Phil Neville, for what it's worth, during his most successful season in Inter Miami, kind of toggled between both of them. He settled on a four-two-three-one, kind of down the stretch, but you know, would definitely kind of switch formations as it as it goes along. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see all of that and and more <laughs> throughout the throughout the season for the start of the season, which is you know. Again, coming up way too soon next weekend. Um, not this upcoming weekend, but the week after. 
you know, it, it does bode that I think Portland's got to decide how they want to line up. Wilder, to a point you raised, the sort of formations that they roll out might depend on who they're playing. Their first opponents, for example, the Colorado Rapids, kind of a wholesale change for them, brand new team. The new head coach, Chris Armas, is from, you know, he's a product of the Red Bull system. He likes to press. <laughs> he likes to have his teams flying up the field and attacking. So Portland is setting up in a back three better situated them for that. Is it 4-2-3-1 better situated for that? How do they create outlets to relieve some of that pressure? All questions that, you know, Phil Neville is making a lot of money to answer. <laughs> and we are not. Um, yeah, Fook, did, did you have a chance to watch any of the highlights of this game? Did you have anything that you wanted to add? Yeah, no, I think the biggest thing is, so just kind of watching highlights, I watched a lot of the first half as well. Got to catch up to the second half a little bit. Uh, just, you know, haven't got to watch the full game, obviously. But one of the biggest things is I know we've been mentioning Anthony's like b bigger role this season. Um, so just kind of wearing the 11 now is kind of a big deal. Um, you know, that kind of goes in line with that as well. So kind of seeing that is cool. Um, but just Moreno's work rate, Santi's work rate is insane. I think that's one of the things I missed last year of just him just getting to be himself. Um, and, you know, obviously you can tell there's a big change. Like everyone brings it up on the team. Oh, yeah, he's way happier, you know, since his family's home, you know, and he's already said, oh, if my family's happy, I'm happy. Like it's just kind of that mindset that he has that he's playing for more than himself, which is really cool. Um, so great to kind of see him midfield will go a lot really rusty to me uh, i didn't like some of the pa the passing did not look crisp smooth or anything like that the combinations weren't as clean but obviously that's what what we expect this early on uh Jaden jones riley came forward a lot so that was really cool to watch um so would love to see possibly him uh, getting a few you know some minutes uh early on in the season um you know so definitely would love to see that a little bit more uh, and then Williamson, obviously good to see him uh, get out there a little bit. Uh, we'll have to knock off a bunch of rusts, obviously, as well. Uh, and then Felipe, like Pipe at this point, we know who he is. Like this guy, we can trust. Um, and I think just having him start uh, this season healthy is a big boost. Because uh, I do think if he played full games last year, he probably would have been up there with some of the top scorers. Uh, I'm not saying top echelon, but definitely 10 plus goals. Uh, he like he already scored six, you know, last year. So I expect double digits, assuming health is good. But yeah, just kind of seeing that. And then uh, Max and uh, Kamal look per look okay. They didn't look out of order or anything like that. So just kind of it seemed pretty solid for the most part. Just you know, there's a lot of things to work out for sure. And I I do I do get concerned if just flipping back between the formations will hurt this team a little bit, especially with new players. So uh, that's kind of. We'll talk about that in our, you know, new segment, obviously. But uh, yeah, go ahead, Sam. Teasing, teasing what's coming your nets. But first, I just want to say Fook saying Felipe Mora would have won the Golden Boot if he was healthy. That's uh, that's what I heard last season. Won the won the MLS Golden Boot. <laughs> um, I think uh, to your point, yeah, I think it, it's good to see him scoring. It's good to see him healthy. Um, the uh, there's been more whispers and more rumors of the Timbers finally signing a forward for the designated player spot. It sounds like they're targeting number nine spot, somebody who, you know, probably will be starting over Mora, which I don't think is a bad thing. Felipe Mora is a great forward to have. He led the line extremely well in 2021, kind of, you know, being kind of like that, that focal point. Does he still have that in them? Gosh, I don't know. He hasn't played a full season in two years. So 
being able to have that additional ad- additional option is it is helpful, you know. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Um, Fook, you tease this, so let's just get right into it. To kind of close out this episode, this talking heavy episode, we'll have more guests for y'all coming up in the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned. But to close out this episode, a segment that I am referring to as uh, Rosebud and Thorn, um, because Rose City. And come on, you got to milk all of the Rose City motifs as much as you can. So the way this will work is roundtable style. We'll go around, we will share uh, a rose, one thing we are excited about. And we're going to theme this around the entire season or kind of going into like the first part of the season for uh, whichever respective team. I'll let my fellow co-hosts choose which team they're kind of going to do this around. So they'll show, they'll show a rose, bud, and a thorn for each team or whichever team they choose. Rose will be one thing they're excited about, one thing that they're really looking forward to seeing. Bud is one thing they're curious about. Doesn't doesn't necessarily be positive or negative. It could just be something that you're just curious to see or interested to see. And then the thorn is something that you're worried about. Maybe something about the team that's maybe making you a little bit nervous. Um, let me toss it to Wilder first. Which team are you going to talk about and what is your rosebud and thorn? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm talking about the thorns. I need to get brush up on my timbers knowledge this will be the season i'll finally learn more about men's soccer surprise <laughs> i That's think totally fine i will say <laughs> if you're gonna choose one of the teams to pay attention to right now the thorns are the ones that got the positive vibes like i've been saying so you're not alone <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um i think in terms of rose i love the prospect of new like college draft signings new signings so just seeing how they all do this season. I mean, look at how Sam Coffey turned out for us. She's such a staple player. Um, so I'm super excited to see how this season goes with new players, just generally. My bud is, I feel like the amount of players we got doesn't necessarily reflect those we lost or the ones that we lost are definitely big shoes to fill. I think like Quika leaving, done. Like it was just rocky one after the other. It was so many things that was really tough to to watch Manguez leaving. And I know we have solid players to kind of step up, but it was a lot of starting players. And so seeing who's ready to step up into that um, starting role will be really interesting. And I'm excited again about that prospect of kind of a new Thorns lineup. But also we did lose a lot of people, so it's, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um, and that kind of ties into my Thorn because we lost so many players and I feel like we're just in such a time of transition, obviously with new owners and all that. Like we look at all the teams that are new and, and up and coming or Angel City last year with big changes. Sometimes they struggled, sometimes like San Diego's done really well. So it'd be really interesting to see. And I know we're not a whole new team, but we are getting, I mean, a big transition period. And so it'll be interesting to see how players step up, how, yeah, just how this new season goes. So it's not necessarily all that bad, but I know with a lot of change, it really could make a break, make or break kind of a team. So I overall am very hopeful and excited about this season, but I feel like we have to to start off strong and and hopefully that'll be good. Yeah, I agree. You, you raise a great point. There are some question marks. Like I think the new ownership coming in has been l- largely praised and been a positive and been seen as a positive, which I would agree with. And there are some question marks. You know, Karina LeBlanc is still there. Mike Norris is still there. What if this team doesn't perform? What if they're not playing at the talent level? Is there enough 
familiarity with the club? Is there enough structure and infrastructure kind of in place or if changes need to happen, will they be able to do that? Um, you're, you're totally, I think, on point for identifying, is this, you know, what does it mean? Like having that unknown, you know, there's there's still, Karina LeBlanc knows the league, do the owners know the league? They're starting to learn under yourself, like, you know, not having that experience, that could be a hindrance to to the Thorns if, you know, if things come down the line. So that's a great point. Fook, I'll throw it to you. Which team are you talking about and what is your Rose, Bud, and Thorn? Wilder covered the Thorns pretty well, so I would not double dip. I will get into the Timbers. I have two Roses, one non-soccer, one soccer. So I'm not trying to overachieve. I just really want to give a shout out to the social media team, Ruben, Casey, Eric, and then also Craig uh, for his amazing photography. For the pickleball tournament they had, uh, obviously we talked to Zach McGraw about pickleball. Um, I so knew you were going to say are... pickleball. I knew that was going to come up. I knew, <laughs> the Timbers posted that video today of the whole team playing a pickleball sim, and you were the first person I thought about. I knew it. <laughs> I, I love that because Jeremy said the same thing. I got like, a couple DMs. They're like, Luke, what's up with your obsession with pickleball? I said, look, it's not an obsession. I just love the I like the game. It's fun to play. Would I recommend it to people? Yes, it's a good learning curve. But anyways, it was just really cool for the team to kind of get to bond over that um great videos and everything i'm i'm generally curious if paloma was allowed to play because we know she used to play tennis back in the day like if she was allowed to play i'm assuming she would have won so i still need to figure out that mystery but just kind of seeing the teams the team bond zach made it to the finals which is good uh you know of the pickleball tournament so hopefully they get to do more of this uh, cool stuff but for the rose jdm's extension uh, i truly think he's one of the best attacking fullbacks in the league especially at his age, which is saying a lot. And the fact that he can score from fullback too says a lot, um, which is really exciting. I'm excited to see him blossom this year for sure. And then just the bud. I am really excited about this uh, three back with two wing backs. I'm assuming they're going to use it mostly just because I think I don't think you can bench in any of those three stop, uh, top center backs that they have. Um, so looking forward to that. The Thorn, who the heck is playing left back? Um, so... Would like to like would like to know who's playing left back for this team. If it's Eric Miller, if it's Miller time, cool. If it's the other Miller time, cool. Are they signing somebody? And then also another thorn is, can you just tell us when we're getting these two these DPS? Obviously, one of them is going to happen. Looks like right when the season, you know, the game starts sometime next week. So uh, this person probably uh, this player probably won't be playing, and then the second one probably won't happen till the summer window at this point. So those are my thorns. But how, just- how about you, Sam? Book just trying to get extra credit. Send a pickleball, send multiple thorns, multiple thorns, multiple things. <laughs> yeah, to your point, that that DP signing. It's been teased. Phil Neville uh said during training last week that, you know, he I think quote was expect some exciting news in the next two or three weeks. We're squarely in that two to three week window. Um, that's kind of mirrored by uh the athletics Tom Bogert, MLS Insider, and man who I don't think ever actually sleeps. He highlighted, uh, he had a video talking about transfer needs for all Western Conference teams in the Timbers. He said that they're hoping to get the signing done before the start of the season, which again, is next weekend, too soon. So, and he did say that also is going to be a number nine. So that's hopefully what's going to happen. So I agree with you. I don't think we're going to see him Providence Park on on February uh, 24th, but down the line, you know, there's a lot of MLS games. So there's plenty of time to integrate into potentially. I'll stick with the Timbers just because they got a season coming up pretty soon here. Rose, to kind of echo one thing you said, I think the revamped center back and goalkeeper situation could be a real positive, a real benefit for them. Um, 
whether it's just purely they have better shot stopping, they have better organization on defense, that could be positive. I think having a good defense can be a real difference maker in MLS because MLS defenses are not good by and large. So having somebody in who can help ensure that, you know, they help lock things down. Like there was a reason that those were the first two moves that Phil Neville made was bringing in Colin Miller, signing Maxime Crepo. Um, it's because that was a huge weakness for the Timbers last season and seasons before worth saying too, the defense was never Portland strong suit. So that could form a good foundation for them moving forward. My, my bud, something I'm curious about is who's going to emerge as the top goal scorer. Who's going to kind of, you know, be the person that we look to as like, okay, he's going to be the guy who score the goals. It will it be Mora. I mean, if they're going out and spending money on number nine, it better be that forward. It better be who they're putting all of those investment in. That's kind of, you know, one thing to look at, but you know, who's going to emerge as kind of like those, those goal scoring options. Fook, you mentioned Santiago Moreno. He's kind of got some expectations on him. We've got an entire pod talking about the Timbers without even mentioning Evander, Timbers' new number 10 shirt holding it. So he's got to have to have a big year. I think goal scoring is kind of a question mark. It's not a concern for me yet because having a healthy Felipe Mora, I think automatically puts them in a better spot than they were last year. Um, But it's definitely a question mark. My concern, though, my thorn is definitely the wings. I think looking at the wing positions is how are they going to generate width and how are they going to defend in space? You mentioned left back. I would extend that to left wing, you know, because defending is not just that defending as a soccer team isn't just the defenders. Everybody defends, right? Like everyone has a defensive duty. And we saw Portland really struggle on defending in the wings and scrambling to try to defend last year. So will they address that? Can they address that? Is it going to be better? So that's going to be something that I don't know if you can make a signing to fix. Just got to get healthy and got to hope that things develop. You know, like you said, a lot to worry about, a lot to work on. Not a lot of time left for the Timbers to work on. They have a week and a half left before the whole thing kicks off for real. The Thorns have a little bit more time before their season opening fixture in March in Kansas City. They just opened preseason training camp last week. So there's still time for them to build on it and, you know, hopefully get all of those new players, like you mentioned, while they're integrated, hopefully sign those draft picks. There's definitely some exciting players that are hoping to get, get deals coming out of training camp. Um, and then, yeah, y'all, before we know it, we got professional soccer back <laughs> in the Rose City coming back soon. It's, it's just the beginning of the season is an exciting time. Um, and I appreciate both of you hopping on to chat with me about it on this fine podcast episode. Um Thank you so much, Wilder. Any final thoughts from your debut Stumptown Radio episode? Um, well, I kind of thought about this when you guys were talking about the Thorns have a, a plethora of, of left backs, and I did think of the movie She's the Man. I feel like we could kind of work something out, <laughs> throw one of them in a wig. In a Amanda uh, Bynes style, She's exactly. the Man situation. So maybe, maybe that's the new solution for the for the Timbers this season. Um, but other than that, I'm really yeah happy to be be on the podcast look forward to to more and yeah having soccer back in in the city because i can see providence park from my window and it's it's always so exciting think about games we'll wave the next time right to stadium (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's fantastic yes awesome thank you fook for joining me final thoughts yeah i just wanted to bring up um i know a lot of people are worried uh, from the thorn side about the signing uh if there's gonna be another player added to the team I spoke to I spoke to Mike a few weeks ago. He mentioned there should be another one. 
while back. So that he said up to three and I know they're working on the third one and they do have an international slot. So, um, so I expect it to be on an international defender. Um, looking forward to that. And then uh, I'm assuming Sam coffee extension is going to be worked out pretty soon if it hasn't already uh, as well. Uh, and then just kind of want to give a shout out to just all the listeners for the first episode. We got a lot of great response, you know, just kind of checking uh, the the tweets and responses on social media has been really cool. Um, just kind of seeing that. And then we have a lot of great guests coming. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, I know we, we know who our first thorns guest is. So we're looking forward to eventually doing that. Uh, and then the, our next timber uh should be pretty exciting i feel like everyone's gonna get hyped for these uh these cool interviews and everything and uh but yeah no i'm glad uh to be a part of this and uh you know uh be part of this cool team so thanks Fook. i i think whomever we get for the next timbers thing we'll try to ensure that they don't bring crows with them this time i got a lot of comments on the crows that flew over zach's house when we interviewed him last week and they were like can you get the crows on and i'm like no we're not going to get the crows unless they're signed as the DP. That's that's the secret. It's that the Timbers are just signing a bunch of crows and they're going to stuff them in a trench coat style. Anyway, my final thought is to echo what you said, Fook. Thank you all so much for listening, for supporting, for reading, for tweeting, for all of the engagement that we got. Um, the Portland soccer community is uh, freaking awesome. And it's a pleasure and a privilege to be able to cover it and help bring some stories and help your enjoyment of the teams. And like you said, Fook, the podcast, yes, you can listen on the website on stumptownfooty.substack.com. Please subscribe if you want. Uh, we love sharing all of our thoughts and our stories from you. A lot more content going to be coming in the next couple of weeks as we ramp up to the season. And you can also listen on Spotify and Apple. We have a Spotify and Apple page for Stumptown Radio. Just search Stumptown Radio. They'll all drop at the same time as it is on the Substack. So you can listen wherever and whenever you want. Thank you all so much for joining me and my fellow guests, Wilder and Fook. And we will be sure to talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye.